Hello, everybody. This is uh, Tito Bort, CEO at Alti Sales, and we are here with Ali Hudson from uh, Docebo. How are you, Ali? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm really excited today. We are doing another one of our SDR Superstar series. So um, it's funny. I met Ali because she signed up for cold calling training, and uh, she came to training. We, you know, talked for a little bit, learned a little bit about Docebo and who they're selling to. She pitched me and. She was really good on the phone. I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Why'd you sign up for training? She's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm always trying to get better. And then I'm like, okay, let's do it again. And, um, you know, I made it harder for her and she still did a really good job. So you're going to see that interview posted, I don't know, maybe before or after this. It's coming the next day. So it just came a couple of days ago. Um, and you'll understand why Ali is here now in our SCR Superstar series. So I'm super excited. Me too. Thanks so much for hosting this and for having me. Yeah, pleasure. So let's dive right in, you know, uh, give some, you know, uh, value to the audience here. Um, so Ali, you're, you're one of the best performers at Docebo. Tell us about, you know, what percentage, percentage of quota are you at um, over the past, you know, month or a few months? Yeah, so I'm still relatively new to the team here at Docebo. We have a three-month ramp period that I'm just finishing up. It's the beginning of December now, so just finished up my ramp period. During my three-month ramp period, I hit approximately 110% of my goals. So, Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about Docebo and what you guys are doing. What's the market you're going after, you know, deal sizes, a little bit of perspective because we're, we'll talk about your metrics and so on soon. Yeah, Docebo is in an interesting position because we have a huge pool of prospects. So we have a ton of different verticals that we can go into, ton of different buyer personas, which is a blessing and a curse sometimes because um, you have to master a lot of stories and a lot of what's going to be relevant to your different prospects, but you also have a ton of people to choose from. Um, so interesting position to be in. Yeah, tell us about the technology. So what, what does Docebo do as a company? Like who would use this? What's the average deal size type of thing? Yeah, so Docebo is a learning management system. And so any form of training that a company needs to do, any form of e-learning, online training, Docebo is able to suit those needs. So anywhere from internal training, onboarding new hires for a company that's growing quickly, needs to keep up with the pace of growth. Um, we can help them create learning pathways for their new hires, all the way to a software company that needs to provide on-demand learning to their clients. Like when a new release comes out, people need to know how to navigate that new release or have questions and need to get them answered on demand. That's also something Docebo does well. Okay, really cool. So your clients, like you need learning management. Are they paying like a hundred dollars a month for it, or like a thousand, or like five thousand a year, fifty thousand a year, or five hundred thousand a year? G give us some audience wants to it know, really, you know, how hard is this? Yeah, it really depends on the company. So we have a lot of SMB customers who just training their internal audience for a few thousand dollars a year, all the way up to companies who have literally millions of active users from internal to their sales team, to their customers, where those are much larger contracts. I would say our average deal size is around $35,000. Okay. For annual. Fantastic. 
Great. So tell us about your your job specifically within Docebo. So how much do you do inbound versus outbound? What's your split there? Yeah, so Docebo has two separate inbound and outbound teams. So we have four inbound reps and nine outbound reps currently. And the outbound reps are really responsible for the full scope of the outbound process. So finding accounts, finding leads within those accounts and all the outreach there as well. Okay, so you're 100% outbound, that's all you do all day? Correct. Okay, great. Um, let's talk a little bit about you know, what, what tools you're using, what, what, what's the company providing you? Um, do you have you know, data tools and then outreach tools and what are you using? Yeah, I think Docebo has provided us with some great tools. So for everyday communication, we use outreach.io. So that's our what we live in all day, pretty much. For prospecting, we have several different tools. So we start by finding accounts in EverString, then move over to Sales Navigator, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and Zoom Info to find correct people, personas within those companies, and then their contact information. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. It's funny. That's very similar to what we use at Alti Sales. I am yeah. uh, evaluating EverString at the moment. So we'll see uh, if I use that. I might ask you to uh, show me how you're using EverString. Maybe I'll learn yeah. something from you in that regard. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's really cool. So you're, you're doing some research on those contacts. How much research are you, are you actually doing? Are you just trying to find phone number, email, title, or are you trying to go deeper? Um, do you store that data? Do you keep notes in a notebook? Do you put it in the account field uh, within outreach or contact field? What are you doing? When I'm initially finding prospects to reach out to within a company, if I've already identified that the company is someone I want to be reaching out to and I find someone with the right persona, say a director of learning and development or a director of customer success or something like that, they're added to my list to upload into the CRM and then into outreach. Once I actually start my communication and outreach is when I'm going to do some more research on what's actually going to be relevant to that person. So hopefully they'll have something in their LinkedIn bio that I can use as a trigger or something in the, the company's LinkedIn that I can use as a trigger as well. Okay. Yeah, that, uh, that's really cool. And then we're talking a little bit about, you know, your strategy for, for um, going outbound. So tell us about, you know, your, your, cold calls or emails, um, uh, what do you get there? Are you getting scripts or templates? How much do you build your own? How much flexibility do you have? Yeah, so our team is given sequences that we put people into. So we have a persona-specific sequence, so a sequence for directors of L&D and hospitality, retail, directors of L&D and technology, so on and so forth, which we have some templated emails in those, we're working on moving towards more personalization in our in our emails for sure. As far as um, phone calls go, during our training, we're, we learn a lot more about the story behind what's gonna be relevant to that persona instead of a script necessarily. Okay, so you kind of navigate the call on your own and you figure out what do you, you know, what do you need to say there? Exactly, yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's really cool. Tell me about the training here. Um, what have you, you know, how often do you guys have training? What are you learning 
on a monthly or weekly basis? Uh, what you learn over the past couple of weeks that you didn't know before, for example? Yeah, so the training at Dochebo, we go through a two-week intensive onboarding process where we learn all about our buyer personas and the product and a lot of people are new to outbound in general here. So what does outbound even look like during that two weeks? And then we do have ongoing meetings. We do them twice a week on Tuesday and Thursday where we get together as a team and we talk about what's working and what's not. So this week, something we learned, we thought the HR directors would be good people to go after. We originally thought that they would be within our ICP. And this week during our session, everyone was just like, we've had no success with HR directors. We need to stop wasting our time and really focus on L&D folks. So stuff like that is what we talk about in our, in our weekly meetings. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's really cool. You know, de defining and refining that uh, ideal customer profile takes, takes a little time. And then exactly. it's also different inbound versus outbound because sometimes, you know, when you're having people come inbound, um, as in any company, I've seen this a lot, you know, the CEO goes and, and tells the, you know, new intern, like, Hey, by the way, we need a learning and development tool. Can you go, can you go investigate? So like somebody mm -hmm. comes inbound and they're like, good company and it's like marketing intern and it's like oh my god exactly. we got a terrible person but you hop on the phone with them it's like hey tell me about it. why are you checking docebo they're like uh well the ceo just asked me to take a look at a few tools and you're like ah and uh you know ma managing those deals is very different you always want to be friendly and earn their trust and love for the company uh, mm -hmm. not go to feature specific and so on going out is completely different you don't want to go call the intern because the CEO can always tell the intern what to do, but the intern can never tell the CEO what to do right. that way. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's cool that you're refining it for outbound. Uh, you're, you're talking outbound has been an initiative that started 2017, early in January, right? Right. So um, my manager was brought on in January of 2017. Our team was three people at that point and now we're up to nine so definitely initiative to make this outbound team grow and work here at docebo cool yeah that's awesome and it seems like you guys are making good progress and refining things so yeah um let's talk a little bit about compensation how that works at docebo i don't want to share any specific numbers of course but you know base salary plus commissions as everybody um, what, what is that commission based on? Are you, is it just, uh, setting up a meeting? Is it having the meeting performed or the amount of pipeline it creates, uh, revenue closed? Uh, how does that work? Um, I think we're a little different here at Dochebo than a, what I've heard from most SDRs. I was an SDR previously and we got paid on meetings completed. Here at Dochebo, we get paid our commission on fully qualified opportunities. So once that is deemed as an actual opportunity and moved to opportunity stage in the pipeline is when we get our commission. Okay. And it's interesting you say that because from what you've been talking about how you guys pick your own accounts, um, this is also how I would manage a team like, like Docebo, where if I'm not giving you what account as an SDR, um, you get a prospect into and you're doing your own research and you're deciding, then I just need to make sure that whatever company you picked and you brought over, is is good and it's worth it right um if i were assigning accounts to you 
right? I would subscribe to your previous company methodology where it's like, as soon as the meeting is completed, it's good because I've assigned you the account. So I, as a manager, would take the responsibility for right. the account being good. So that, that does make a lot of sense. Um, it's funny, uh, we, we talked briefly about our, our recent blog that I had featured on Sales Hacker about the SDR yeah. to AE handoff. Um, what happens a lot of times when, when SDRs are being compensated on non-meetings completed, but uh, the opportunity be moving forward or being created or moving to step two or three or whatever, um, there's always the death zone, which is what I called yeah. it, right? It's that SDR books a good meeting, it's the right person, feels like the right company, gets set to the AE, the AE talks to them, and it's the right company, it's the right title, but the person's not like stoked about Docebo yet or about whatever company you're at, you know, as yeah. for the audience listening. And then the AE is like, oh, you know, I want to hold off on this. I don't want to put it on a pipeline because otherwise my, my boss, the VP of sales is going to come to me and be like, why is that not moving? Why have you mm -hmm. worked for that? And because they haven't put it into pipeline, the SDR doesn't get paid for it. So like, it's frustrating for SDRs and, and uh, there's a way to solve it. So I might link to the blog post from Sales Hacker below or above uh, and just go find, you can stop the video always, go read yeah. and come back. Yeah, I highly recommend that blog post. It's great. So, awesome. Thanks, Ali. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, uh, quota. So how many meetings or how many qualified opportunities uh, do you need on a monthly basis? So six is our goal every month at full ramp. So. Um, December is my first month at full ramp, which is an exciting month for my first month at full ramp. So uh, hoping that it's going to be a good month for me. Um, but yeah. yeah, six fully qualified opportunities, which if you backtrack that, it's a lot more meeting set on my part than, than six. Okay. So, yeah. so what's, what's the average, like what percentage of meetings that are performed or completed, move to a qualified one on average for the team? Yeah, so on average, we're about 70% right now yeah. that move, which is really great. But I also think that our team has gotten better at knowing when is a good time to send something over to an AE and when isn't. Because I don't want to waste an AE's time and have something sit in that dead zone that you were talking about when I can hold on to it for a little longer until it's ready to go over to the AE, which that's probably a whole nother discussion about how yeah. to handle those and everything. Um, but I think that our team has gotten good at knowing when something's going to be an opportunity and when something isn't. Right. And what happens, a lot of people, you know, you're, you're talking about three month ramp and then yeah. It's, it's important to clarify here for the audience because I talk to a lot of teams that are like, yeah, it's a three-month ramp. And what, you, what you're actually experiencing as a rep is even though in theory it says it's a three-month ramp, there's, a, there's an important delay between you booking a meeting and the meeting being performed. That, that could take, you know, if you're, if you're good and what SDR should always do is pitch it for the next day or the next two days. However, I hear most SDRs pitch it for the next week and sometimes be like, oh yeah, we can totally meet next month. And then they, you know, like the sales cycle just gets ruined. And then the other thing yeah. is after the meeting gets performed, sometimes it takes another week or two for the AE to make it a, a, a qualified opportunity. So there's actually a month 
that like December, you're actually just getting the meetings that you booked in November to see if they're right. qualified. If you started in September, then your month w would have been two, two months. You have two weeks where you're not calling. So now you're down to six weeks. Um, and even within those six weeks, like you haven't even gotten a lot of cold calling training or whatever, you, you kind of weren't given script. So in those six weeks, you're going from, hey, I, uh, I just, I'm starting to make my first call to now I need to be booking as many opportunities as anybody else. Um, you know, I would say that's really short um, yeah. for, a, for a mid market slash enterprise company. Um, but it is what it is. Like, uh, like you know, uh, if, you, if you're a CEO or a CRO of a company, you're going to look at your, at your team and say, we need to ramp people faster. And then you just, the way you do it is you just shorten the ramp in terms of quota. You're like, oh yeah, your quota will just go up faster. Yeah. Um, and you're not thinking about those delays. Uh, so for them, they're like, yo, we have a three month ramp. They're actually giving their SDRs a, a six week ramp. So it's, it's impressive that you've hit those numbers. I'd be curious. Uh, it's probably hard for you to know if, if you know this, but I'd be curious to hear how many reps when they get onboarded, they go over quota um, mm. during those months. Something interesting to look at. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the number is for the whole team, but I know me, and then the one other rep that was onboarded after me, both of us were over quota during our ramp period. So, okay, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, awesome. Let me see. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, what happens after you hit quota. Do you have an accelerator or any other way, or um, how does this work? Like, if you if you're killing it, how do you make a lot of money? We don't have any form of accelerator currently, um, although we have what I think is a pretty good compensation model per opportunity. So even though it's not on an accelerator basis, there's still a hefty incentive to book more meetings. Right. Okay. Yeah. So without disclosing, you know, exact numbers or whatever, what, I, what I'll tell the audience is this was an interesting case where Ali's base tends to be a little bit lower than, than most uh, organizations. However, the per meeting commission, like you're saying that you're getting paid is very strong. So if you exceed your quota um, by 20, 30, 50%, because the commission is such a big portion, uh, it, it ends up rolling over and then making you yeah. uh, a significant amount of money. So that's really, really cool. That's what uh, I prefer as an SDR also, being able to have more control over how much money I make um, instead of having a larger base and less commission. Yeah, Ali, I'm going to agree with you. As a manager of a high-performing SDR team, I, I love that too. I'd rather hire people that, you know, I want to give them a base just to show them our commitment to them being successful, our commitment right. to them, you know, uh, doing well. And then I don't want them to be worrying about like, am I going to be able to pay rent this month? Exactly. But, uh, Hey, you want to be driving a Porsche? Um, sure. Book 20 yeah. meetings, not six, right? And then mm -hmm. we'll be driving a Porsche. Uh, Jason Lemkin, um, who I uh, follow a lot and, you know, Saster. If you, if the audience is not going to Saster annual next year, you guys are crazy. Um, message me. I'll tell you exactly why you need to go, especially if you're an executive or anybody who's in tech sales, uh, you need to go. But Jason Lemkin, who I admire a lot, he's the guy behind the Saster brand. He's putting Saster annual together. Um, he talks a lot about how when you hire your first reps, he says, your best performing rep should be driving, I think it's an M6 BMW, right? They should be killing it. And I think the SDR role is exactly the same. 
your best SDR should be like making tons of money and, and doing incredibly, incredible well. And the reason for that is the delta of performance between your best and your, and your average, right? In most companies, mm -hmm. what I see is the best AE may be selling 2X what the um, average AE is selling, um, sometimes even less, like only 50% more than the average one. However, in the SDR role, the best SDR at most of the organizations I talk to is booking three to five X uh, as much pipeline or revenue or closing as, as much, uh, you know, actual like deals or sourcing deals that close that are five, five times higher. So if the average SDR is worth whatever, 60 K in salary and it's costing you as a company, 80 K uh, and your best one is sourcing three X that, how is that yeah. one not worth 200 K? Right. So I have a blog post about that. Um, uh, and, uh, and yeah, so lo love the way you're thinking about this alley as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, continuing the company structure. So are you guys round robin? Are you paired up to an AE? How, how does that work? We are round robin. So we have a couple of segments of the round robin. So we have SMBAEs that handle our smaller deals and then we have enterprise AEs. So there are round robins within each of those segments, um, but round robin. Interesting. Uh, something I hear here um, regarding uh, the round robin is sandbagging deals for SDRs. I'll give you an example. You're like, oh my God, it's, uh, I just booked a meeting and you're like, I need to send it. You look at the list, you're like, ooh, um, John is left and John sucks as an AE. I want to just get David who's next. Uh, I was going to wait for somebody else to book a meeting and then they can give it to John and I'll give it to David. Uh, is that something you guys can do at your company or is there is this like super controlled where like there's no way to hack the system um if you wanted to hack the system i guess you could it's not anything super fancy it's just on a google doc you look and see who's up next and then that's who you book it with although we do really like to stick to the round robin just to keep it as fair as possible um if there's a really good reason why something needs to go to a different ae um then there are occasional exceptions, but other than those except like very rare instances where it's just like this has to go to whoever, then we stick to the to the round robin. Cool, awesome. I might write a blog post about this because I've I found two ways to solve that problem. Um, you know, like at your team size, uh, it might not be a, a huge problem. I've I've seen companies where they have you know twenty five SDRs, and then a lot of people are like. <laughs> The SDRs are very clear on like who's the better AE or whatever. There, there's even if that's not always true, there's always certain preference, right? Um, and the two ways are one is to do round robin, not for the team but for the individual. So let's say oh, you, yeah. Ali, now you send one. The, your first deal goes to John, the second goes to David, the third one goes to Casey, the fourth one goes to Jennifer, the fifth one goes to yeah, whatever, right? Uh, and it's an individual round robin rather than a team round robin. Um, and the other way to go about it is just continuing the round robin as it is for the team, right? Especially if you don't want to, what, what that might create when it's individual STRs is sometimes one AE has a lot of deals, the other one doesn't have a lot of deals. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's uh, problematic. The other way to solve it if your team's smaller is to just do round robin for the team. But at the end of every month, as an SDR manager, you go to your STRs and you look at all the deals they booked and who they sent it to. And if you're seeing inconsistencies or like somebody's booking way too many deals for one person or no deals for one person for the next month you tell them 
this next month, Ali, the first five deals you book are all going to go to Jonathan because you haven't yeah. booked anything for Jonathan in the past three months. Um, so yeah, I can write a blog post about it. I probably will. But for the audience, if you're suffering the problem of SDR to AE, you know, pairings or, uh, you know, you don't want to move away, away from uh, pods because round robin wouldn't be fair in some way. Those are two good ways to think about it. Um, let's talk, uh, actually, you know, we, we did that uh, cold calling kind of like training. So we will have a big example there of some of the things you do. I think we have three calls, but even now for the audience, I, I do want to have him listen to at least a quick call. So, you know, I'm going to pretend I am head of uh, learning and development um, at a tech company um, here in the Bay Area. And okay. you're, you're giving me a call. Let's, uh, let's, let's try it out. Um, so, yeah, phone's going to ring. Um, ring, ring. Uh, hello, this is Tom. Hey, Tom, this is Allie with Docebo. Did I catch you at a bad time? Um, no, what, uh, what are you calling about? Great, thank you. I promise I'll be brief, but I was calling because I saw that your company has grown by 200% in the last six months. Congrats on that, by the way. And I was just curious how you're currently training all of your new employees that you're bringing on. Um, yeah, well, we have a pretty established process here. We, um, you know, we have a box.com account where we have a lot of documentation and people just go there. And of course we have a very, you know, in-depth training program where, um, people need to go and, uh, we have trainers and staff that teach them all about our systems and methods and processes. So I think we're all taken care of here, but I appreciate the call. Yeah, that's great that you already have all that content built out and stored in box. The reason I was reaching out to you actually is we worked with a lot of other tech companies in similar positions to you at this pace of growth like DocuSign and Indeed and they were able to create a more automated onboarding process that took a lot less effort on the back end and they were just able to manually onboard all of their new employees and I was wondering if you had 15 minutes maybe later this week where I could share some more about that with you. Um, you know, it's not necessarily something we're looking at immediately as, as we've, we've done this pretty well and it's the end of the year. So can you call me back maybe late January? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a call back in, in January and hopefully we can touch base then. Okay. Well, thanks so much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was fun. Um, you know, just wanted, wanted to give the audience some insight into what you're doing there. Uh, that was a good call. You're giving me a little bit of perspective. You're doing what, what we call social proof, dropping some, mm -hmm. some names of other clients. You're asking relevant questions. How am I doing things? Um, and yeah, and in, 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 the, in the full video about cold calling training, people can, can hear more. Uh, it's funny because you really prepared for that training. You're watching my other videos, so you knew exactly what I was going to um, give you feedback on, and the call is a little bit different. To be honest, to my style, uh, I like this call. This was good. But I think the calls that we did during the uh, cold calling training were excellent. Uh, mm -hmm. You blew my mind over there. And today I told you we wouldn't do any calls. On I purpose. know, you threw me <laughs> off. <laughs> because I wanted to check your reaction when I all of a sudden throw you, uh, put you on the spot to, to try some calls. So yeah. Uh, so that, that, that was fun. Uh, hopefully the audience can enjoy it. And again, like the link to the other, to the other blog where Ali's 100% uh, prepared for cold calling uh, is, is, will be linked 
uh, around here. Uh, that was awesome. So help, help us here with um, your, you know, source of meetings. Um, social, email, phone, what percentage is coming from where? Um, yeah, share yeah. that. Definitely vast majority from the phone, probably between 70 and 80%, depending on the week. Um, and then very little social. That's honestly something I haven't mastered nor put a ton of effort into. I do mostly social to find things to talk about in phone calls and emails. So, Okay, cool. Yeah, that seems like a, like a lot of, of phone then. Um, from, from the emails... Um, are, are these mostly like replies to the sequence or kind of like, you know, talk on the phone, then send email back and forth and book it, or they reply to the sequence, then you reply back, then they reply back, then you reply back, then book it. Um, Very rarely will I get a meeting booked straight from an email. Um, the point of my emails is to get people on the phone. I feel like people object to emails way easier. They have a lot more time to come back and think about why they should say no to me. <laughs> um, yep. So the purpose of my emails is always to get them on a phone call. Yep. I like that. I like that. And I, uh, I did su subscribe to that methodology forever. I so strongly believe it's a really good way to approach it depending on your market. Mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's easier to interact two minutes on the phone and just, uh, answer all their objections and, and book it. People are lazy to every time have to click reply and type right. again. Um, what I've seen though, sometimes it's interesting, you know, for with Alti sales, we're reaching out to so many markets because we're working with different clients. Sometimes we're selling to IT, sometimes customer support, sometimes marketing, sometimes enterprise companies, sometimes mid markets, sometimes SMBs. Like we've done it all and it varies. Uh, something I've seen for the audience that, that could be helpful is um, it, it's all, I recommend always, if you get an email reply with an objection, call them. Mm -hmm. And if you are unable to get them on the phone, just reply back and say, John, I tried calling you to explain how this works, uh, but I wasn't able to get you on the phone. Uh, here's my perspective, right? And you write about it. And you're like, would it make sense to meet um, for 15 minutes. And, and then you can, you can start increasing the strength of your clothes. Uh, there are specific ways you can learn about it. I think I might have some of my older blog posts on LinkedIn uh, mentioning some of those things, but um, you know, you, you can go from like super nicely, like uh, would it make sense to, to talk for 15 minutes to like, is there a reason why you wouldn't take a look at this or like yeah. you know, things like that that are like, more like the, the default option is for you to take a look. If you're saying no, it has to be a strong one or um, you can you can even close the meeting in, in different ways, so. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool I like that advice to call them right away. I think that that's, that's really good because a lot of times we'll spend a lot of time crafting a rebuttal to this objection when you could just have that conversation on the phone. Yeah, even, even like, especially if you get, uh, if you get a quick response, you're on your on your email, you're walking around, whatever, or you're not at your desk, you should just reply back immediately, like, I'll call you in, in 30 seconds, and just run to your desk and call them. And then yeah. when they see the email, like, I'll call you in 30 seconds, when the phone rings, they know it's you now. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're more likely to pick up. And then the idea is not to be like, what you said is not right. Like, this is what we do. It's different, right? Like, of course, you never want to do that with a prospect, right? Like, Hey man, I, I read your email. Totally understand your concern. It seems like you're thinking about it this way. The way we've seen things is this other way. 
and here are the benefits and you know you're talking about pricing and you know we have different packages or whatever um and you know if you can't spend whatever like i know a lot of solutions have minimums so like if you if you really think that like ten thousand dollars let's say that's your minimum is completely out of your world um i don't think that you can get a lot uh, even if you have no packages under $10,000, I can say, I don't think you'll get a lot from us for under $10,000 from what I've researched from your company. You at least need to be spending 10,000. Um, so if 10,000 is a just non-starter, we shouldn't talk, but yeah, but 10,000 is usually very small for what my clients say. And in that case, blah, blah, blah. And then you can, you know, or like work, work that objection. Yeah. Um, that that is also interesting, Ali. I think you uh, you've done a good job on our on our cold calling training for a lot of objections. Um, I have a lot of techniques and methods that I haven't gone too in depth in the audience. So if you're watching this video and you want that content, uh, go in the comments and tag me and Ali, and uh, we might get uh, we might get on another call and do some some training or something or help help people out with uh, with their objections. And you can tell us, you know, how do you object? How do you handle X objection? I would mm -hmm. do training on that. I think that'd be cool. Would you, would you be up for that? Yeah, totally. And I think everyone probably has like the top two or three objections that they get every time. And you want to be prepared to handle those really well. So I think that that would be really helpful for everyone. And it'd be interesting to hear what kind of objections other people get as well. Yeah. You know, the typical ones like, Hey, I have no money. Uh, the, mm -hmm. I'm not interested. And, uh, it's not the good, it's not a good time. Right. Mm -hmm. Those are the most common ones or, Oh, we're already using something else. Yep. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of really cool stuff for how to handle those. Um, I'm debating if I should give everybody all my, all my secret <laughs> sauce or not. Uh, but I think I will. I mean, why not? Um, worst, worst case scenario, people just see the value in the training and then they're like, Tito, I want to work with you at Alti sales, which already happens about two or three times a day, <laughs> There uh, you go. which is awesome. I mean, uh, I have a in-depth interview process and, and I love hiring the best people out there. So we'll keep training everybody, Ali. Perfect. Um, last, last couple of questions. Uh, we're going to run off the phone soon. Um, favorite SDR incentives, either at this company or other companies? What are the coolest things you've uh, been given that got you super excited and kept both your kind of like short-term motivation to make those extra calls and then long-term motivation to continue uh, killing it? Yeah, Dochebo does some really cool weekly, monthly contests. So something just to like throw some incentive every once in a while. I won this Fitbit a couple weeks ago for the most, um, our initial discovery calls, the most completed for that week. We also had a really fun contest a couple weeks ago about whoever booked the most meetings within the hour got $20 and that rolled over every hour if a meeting wasn't booked. So pretty much every hour there's $20 up for grabs. So really put in the motivation, not only every day, but every hour. Right. Yeah, that, that's cool. Like $20 an hour. Uh, that sounds like fun. What, what happens if like two people have the same number of meetings? Is it split between the split. two? Or? Yeah. Okay, cool. So like if it's the first minute of the hour, somebody books a meeting, I'd be like, okay, now I don't want to book one because then I can just wait. <laughs> it was kind of a game a little bit. It would be like 10.59 and you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Aren't we all um, as sales reps always working our, our comp, right? Mm -hmm. We know how it works. Like if I know that it's better for me to book another meeting at 11.01 rather than 10.59, mm -hmm. I have our prospects on the phone. 
totally gonna bug it and wait two minutes before I put it in the system or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, that's cool. Um, you know, our favorite SDR incentive. I, I think I might have mentioned this in another SDR interview as well. Is uh, I'm launching this. I want every company to launch this. This is why I mention it so much. Um, it's the SDR Presidents Club. So a lot of companies have their Sales Presidents Club, especially the big ones where like. You know, the top AEs are flown to Hawaii and they do all these like all-inclusive hotel stuff and like they spend tons of money on it. And they, they do it once a year, which is fine. You know, if you're a, if you're a sales rep for Salesforce, you might be selling millions of dollars and therefore the company is spending 20, 20K on you for once a year to send you there or 50K on you and you and your wife or whatever to send you there. Uh, totally fine. I, I think that the SDR role is very interesting. We're having a lot of people right out of college or switching careers. Mm -hmm. They're usually kind of young, um, you know, 20s, 30s, uh, at least the majority. I actually like hiring people who are outside that range. They provide a different type of dynamic and stability to the team, but I won't get too much into that. What, what the SDR Presidents Club is about is a much less expensive, you know, less fancy, much more adventurous. So, it's about going to Cancun uh, for a week, uh, not, not for a week, but for a weekend. You, you fly down on a Friday. Um, you will not be staying at a five-star all-inclusive hotel, but maybe a three-and-a-half, four-star. Uh, but, but it's all about the adventure and the team building, right? So we might go scuba diving, wild water rafting, bungee jumping, things like that. Uh, you, we have one or two activities for the weekend. We, we do the typical like champagne and awards for the team. Uh, and things like that. So I'm, uh, I've decided I'm launching this Q1 uh, next year. It was announced to my team recently too. Everybody's aware of what we're doing. It's going to be super, super fun. And uh, hopefully, you know, what would be really cool is to organize it with other companies mm -hmm. and because it's more like adventurous and things like that, kind of like coordinate timing to have different teams do it, you know, in the same city. And then we can get together and all go, you know, team bonding, Dochebon Alti sales, go to yeah. Cancun to, uh, champagne and uh, and scuba diving together that'd be fun that'd be awesome it's cold out here now too so cancun sounds extra nice <laughs> ah yes always end of the year is also the best time to go because it gets so hot in there during the summer mm -hmm. that, uh, there's a lot of what they call snowbirds from you know oh, yeah north u.s or canada that fly down and the place is booked uh oh, yeah. for, for new year's and so on so yeah it's it's really really cool um, awesome. I think that is all we have for now, Ali. Uh, any other, you know, comments for the audience, ways to contact you? Should they reach out to you on LinkedIn? I don't know. What, what? Yeah, you have a couple of minutes to give me your message. Yeah, that's awesome. I love connecting with people and talking about how you're doing the SDR role, any tips and tricks that you have, because I am still always learning as well. So I'd love to connect with anyone. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also shoot me an email if you want. I'll give you my email address. My email is allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N dot Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N at docebo, D-O-C-E-B-O dot com. Cool, that's awesome, Allie. Uh, same here for the audience. If you want to connect with me, uh, just send me a LinkedIn connect request. You can also click follow. Um, I don't accept everybody. Uh, and that's because I want to keep my, my network very targeted, but, but here's who I accept. I accept anybody who's in business development or sales development, uh, anybody who's working in tech, um, anybody who is, uh, you know, in, in the U S in a relevant industry, or we have a lot of common connections and I, I sense that we're part of the same network. Um, or if you're from Bolivia, which is where I was born and raised, and you need anything, I'll help you. If you're from Duke University, you need anything, I will help you. Uh, those are the two 
two advantages of any Duke or uh, Bolivia person. I am I'm all in to give you a hand. I had a an interesting person who was both a Bolivian who went to Duke reach out to me, and I was like, oh my god, uh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do anything to to help you succeed in your career. I've been very grateful for. Uh, people in my network giving me a hand, mm -hmm. the university community being amazing for me, uh, people from Bolivia always helping each other out. We're trying to, you know, just make each other better and pull the country out of its uh, pretty bad state. We're the third poorest country in all Latin America, and uh, there's there's a lot lot of things to do there to improve. Um, but, but yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll accept almost everybody unless you are, you know, Clearly, somebody trying to just grab my email and spam me, or you know, you're a data researcher from Philippines like I do. I have my team in Philippines that that does find all your data. Um, I, I tell them not to add anybody on LinkedIn because it's too do obvious. You accept, uh, do you accept UNC grads? Uh, UNC grads are kind of shady. I feel I tend not to like them. I'm kidding. No, yeah, UNC grads. If you're in tech, sure, like let's connect. Of course, uh, if you're if you're building companies, if you're SDR, if you're Doing something related to what I do, let's connect. You know, um, even financial. I don't know. Uh, I'll I'll look at your profile. I'll be like, is there a reason why they would learn anything from me, or I can learn anything from them? If the answer to that is yes, sure, <laughs> let's do it. Um, Perfect. So, okay. so yeah. any Georgia Bulldogs are out there, feel free to add me as well. And we're here in Athens, so love being part of the Athens community. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. I uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I spent um, <laughs> about three months at Georgia Tech. Uh, I won't get too too into that story, but I graduated high school in Bolivia, being the, the southern hemisphere of the world. Our school calendar goes from February till November, so I graduated school, you know, November uh, high school in November, and I was going to start college at. I was applying to college. And then I was yeah. going to start college in August. So I had those like eight, nine months of like, oh, what am I going to do now? And I, uh, my English wasn't great. So I came to the U.S. for three months. I went to Georgia Tech for an English as a second language course. Uh, and my English has gone a little bit better since then. And uh, yeah, now I can cold call and not feel like I'm a foreigner. Awesome. Well, that time <laughs> did you well there because your English was great. So. <laughs> Um, cool. Thank you, everybody, for attending this session. Hopefully, you learned a lot. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. Talk soon. Sounds good. Bye. Thanks, Tito.